1: This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath.
2: Special Bold Predictions podcast for you today as we welcome in one of our favorite friends. Well, maybe not Adam Azer's favorite friend, but one of our favorite friends, Jake Seeley from The Athletic, joined us. I'm Jamie Eisenberg. This is Fantasy Football Today with Dave Richard and Heath Cummings. And uh, Adam, once again, is not going to be on the show. This one, though, is on purpose because we invited Jake to come on and Adam said, you know what? I'm going to sit this one out. So, Jake, just tell us what's a little bit with this uh, beef you have with uh, with our buddy Adam and why you guys can never <laughs> seem to be in the same place at the same time.
3: I don't know. I think it dates all the way back to Flex when we were drafting New York and I sat next to him and he drafted, who did he draft? It was back with the Broncos at the time and he drafted like the backup option and I mocked the hell out of him and it was like the fifth round and I think he's hated me ever since.
2: (laughs) Uh, That sounds sounds like, that sounds like our buddy Adam uh, holding a grudge about a fantasy pick. Uh, No surprise there. So Jake's going to join us here as this is Dave Richards turn to give us his bold predictions. For 2020, we went over mine earlier this week. Keith will be coming up on a later show with, uh, Liz Loza joining us from Yahoo Sports. But, uh, you can follow Jake, uh, at All In Kid on Twitter. Um, Jake is again, like I said, with The Athletic. He works with our buddy Nando DeFino. And, uh, Jake, what are you doing at The Athletic now? What can you tell people about what you're working on?
3: Yeah, actually, uh, in the middle of the fourth one that's coming out this week is the next breakout blank. So the next breakout quarterback, running back wide receiver and tight end is this week. Every, oh, everybody's favorite tight end. And then our draft kit that's going to be diving straight into updating the rank is because that's coming out middle of June, because that's what we do now. We keep pushing it up earlier and earlier and earlier. By the time we get around, it's going to be the end of the season. We're gonna be launching draft kits.
2: Our draft kit came out at the Super Bowl. That's how early we do ours. So we <laughs> so didn't wait till the NFL draft. Um, so, like I said, we're doing bold predictions here for Dave, uh, but we're going to get to Jake's bold predictions as well. Jake, give us one of your bold predictions for 2020.
3: Yeah, it's probably the one I'm getting the most pushback on in my initial rankings is that Clyde edwards helaire is a top 10 running back. Now, of course... I don't wanna say like I don't wanna immediately put a caveat on this, but you know, that's assuming the off season goes quote unquote right. as planned. You know, if we don't get any practice time, if we get to week two of the preseason, the guy, you know, Edward Slayer's not even getting runs with the one because he didn't get any time with the team. So as long as everything goes this off season as planned. You have a team that you've heard Reed, you've heard Patrick Mahomes, you've heard everybody falling over him. They took him in the first round. I understand Damian Williams is there, but if anything should tell you their confidence in Damian Williams was bringing in Lashawn McCoy last year, right. I don't need 20 touches a game. You give me 15 from a running back in that backfield, it doesn't matter if it's Edwards Hilaire and that talent that's like a Camara level. You give me 15 touches at a Kansas City running back, and I want him as a top 10 running back. Where do you Go have on. him
2: ranked, Jake? In PPR,
3: I actually right now, as soon as the draft was over, I had him at running back six.
2: Wow! Wow, so you're more aggressive than I am. I yeah, seriously. And yeah. Jamie, and,
4: Jamie's bull prediction was that, or yeah, that he was going to be a top five running back. Yeah. So the I'm two of you need that. to get a room here with Edwards Eller. You guys are uh
2: <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, look, it's uh, I think I think Jake said it. You know, he's in a good spot. He's in a situation where if he does get you know around 15 touches, hopefully more. Uh, you know, on top of the fact, like Jake said, they've been trying to replace Damian Williams, what it seems like for two years. Uh, he's had a hard time staying healthy. So if he's not on the field, that's when he'll open up more touches for, for, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, but yeah, uh, we, we share that sentiment and Heath and, and Jake actually share the same sentiment of their love for kickers. So, um, <laughs> if you're ever in a league with Jake, he requires you to draft two kickers. Uh, Heath actually requires you to draft three kickers. Um, I just, I, I don't understand why you guys love kickers so much. The
5: funny thing is I thought that was why um, Adam hated Jake was because Jake's always (laughs) tweeting band kickers and Adam loves kickers so much and thinks they're such an important part of fantasy.
2: Well, we'll get to Jake's uh, we'll get to Jake's bold predictions after we go through Dave's and and Jake. I had, we had to tell him, you know, only three, Bold predictions for kicker. So uh, the rest, uh, along with Clyde Beardsellair, will be uh, kicker less. So uh, if if you follow Jake, he's he's very much anti kicker. So uh, that, that that's uh, that that's his thing, and, and Heath as well. So um, no love for uh, for the kickers here. Uh, some news and notes that we'll get to. Uh, a couple things going on in the NFL. Obviously, it's been a little quiet, but uh, Colts coach Frank Reich said there's definitely inherent respect for the starter returning. That's a quote from him. In talking about Marlon Mack joining Jonathan Taylor, or vice versa, I guess, Jonathan Taylor joining Marlon Mack, he also said that Naheem Hines is a, quote, role-playing starter. So, Keith, when you look at this backfield, we've talked about it a lot following the draft, the fact that Reich is once again talking up Marlon Mack, is that just respect for the veteran, or is it maybe we're going to see probably more of a committee than we hope? Well, I think it's, I mean, I think it's kind of like the Kansas City situation. I
5: definitely believe Jonathan Taylor is a much more talented running back than Marlon Mack. And I expect he's going to have a much better and longer career than Marlon Mack as a starting running back. But I think the most likely situation is that week one, Marlon Mack gets the first carry. And this one's even complicated a little bit more because Naheem Hines is probably going to dominate the passing work. So it, it really, as much as I love Jonathan Taylor, and loved him before the draft. It, it really worries me, at least for the start of the season. I think at some point the talent's probably going to win out, and Jonathan Taylor's going to get a majority of the touches. But I, I will say, like, we've talked about the fumbles a little bit. I don't really care that much about the fumbles, but if they were going to care about his college fumbles, the one place he might have a hard time getting on the field early, other than passing bounce, is in short yardage, because Max has been pretty good at that.
2: Jake, when you look at... Edwards-Hilaire or, or Taylor compared to Edwards-Hilaire, uh, our colleague Ben Gretsch still actually, I think, may prefer Taylor to Edwards-Hilaire just based on that offensive line and and certainly some of the long-term opportunities for him once Marlon Mack is gone. How do you sort of look at this Colts backfield with all three guys, with yes. like Taylor, Mack, and, and Heinz?
3: Same way, and I gotta say that like for next year, I could see Taylor leapfrogging him, I could see Dobbins, and that being Edwards Hilaire, I could see Dobbins jumping in front, depending on what Patricia does, even Swift, because those are the three that I had in tier one before the draft. Edwards Hilaire, most years would have been tier one, I called it like a tier 1.5, but I'm kind of in agreement with Heath in the fact that we might be looking at like a Miles Sanders situation this year where It takes an injury or that he just outproduces Mac for a few weeks before he takes over. And it probably won't be right out of the gate, especially with what's going on this offseason. So I I think that's the case is Taylor's definitively a better talent. Actually, when Mac came out of college, I said he tries to do too much with plays sometimes instead of just taking a zero yard. You see, they're basically getting stuff at the line. He tries to dance around. It takes a loss. So I think it's Taylor's backfield in time. I just don't think it's going to be week one. And then as you mentioned with Naheem Hines, I think we're t- looking at a potential kind of like Austin Eckler with Philip Rivers there now.
2: Yes, uh, that's something that I've been saying a lot. I'm, I'm excited about Hines even after the draft that he's somebody I think that in PPR more so than non-PPR will certainly have a benefit, but we'll see how this all works out. Dave, is this a backfield you find yourself taking pieces of or avoiding? Right now we're seeing Taylor's ADP. This is based on Fantasy Football Calculator. He's about the 25th running back off the board and going in round four. Max certainly going later. He's the 35th running back off the board going in round seven. Uh, Hines even later than that. You know, when you look at these three guys, are you, are you trying to get pieces of it or are you trying to avoid
4: it? The piece that I'm probably most interested in getting is Hines. I'm kind of with you guys on that one because of that role that he's going to have as, as the passing down specialist, the two minute drill running back. That's, that's the role that I think he's going to keep for 16 games. So unless Heinz gets hurt, I think you're going to see him. I think you could see him flirt with as many as 60 catches, maybe 70 catches this year. I don't think he'll be what Austin Eckler was in 2018, but I think he can still be a a good value in PPR. And I'm, I'm not messing around with Taylor or Mac. I think Mac can keep that job schedules easy for them early in the year. I could see Mac hanging on to that job for the first month and Taylor not coming close to giving you the value. That you'd hope that he would give you taking him as a top 50 pick in fantasy.
2: Jake, real quick, before we move on to the next news item, uh, how does Taylor stack up for you with Cam Akers and DeAndre Swift?
3: Uh, So, like I said, pre-draft, Taylor and Swift were tier one together with Dobbins. Uh, Akers is on tier two. I thought he was disrespected for how terrible that offensive line was in college. Uh, I don't know what's been going on with that program for a while now, but oh, we uh, love I think it. You're, talking, you're is... talking to
2: a, you're talking to a Gator and a Hurricane on this show, so we love Florida State being <laughs> yeah. down. Oh, yeah, we don't so have, we love don't have much of no a problem that. with it.
3: <laughs> well, I, I remember I was very young when it happened, but I still remember when Notre Dame got screwed out of the '93 championship. So I hate Florida State too. So All right. we have like tons of hate. Here. So, so there you have uh, it. Like, there's no way Adam could hate you. <laughs> That's true yeah you know, there's plenty of other reasons. <laughs> Have you not seen me on Twitter? That's everybody loves to hate me uh but the thing is this with here is I actually think that acres is a good- ca- comparison for Taylor situationally like as of today, it looks like all three backs are going to be involved for different ways and different aspects. And I think that it's just going to come down to who wins the job first between all these situations. And as uh, Swift's in the same boat, Swift is arguably the best cap- pass catcher of those outside of Edwards Hilaire, yep. but he's dealing with Patricia who's coming from that Patriot system where he just refuses to give the guy the ball. I think they're kind of done with carry on Johnson. But as I said, the incumbents there, and I think there's going to be frustrating backfields. I To ask, answer the question you asked Dave, I would almost just stay away from these backfields, take the cheapest option, and then kind of pull like what we did last year with Miles Sanders. Maybe go get the one we think is going to take over in like week five or six in a trade.
2: Yes, he's talked about that a couple times on, on various shows that the aggressive move is to, while these guys are not getting the work, trade for them, hopefully cheap get them when they're about to take off like we did see from Sanders last year. And that's a good way to win your fantasy league, as we'll talk about Miles Sanders coming up with one of Dave's bold predictions. Other news item that we have here, Henry Ruggs on crutches after recently injuring his thigh while, according to reports, moving furniture. So uh, we kind of joked a little bit about this, like what would be the injuries via Zoom, via staying home during quarantine, <laughs> and this is the, the one we got so far. So I was expecting somebody to slip in the shower, fall down the stairs, for Henry Ruggs, maybe got, you know, some new furniture after getting his big deal or, you know, signing his deal, his rookie contract and getting some money in his pocket. And he uh, he hurt himself and he's on crutches. So expect it to be fine. Apparently the Raiders are aware of this, but we'll talk a little bit about Ruggs coming up here with one of Jake's bold predictions. But I'll ask you this, Heath, does this concern you at all about Ruggs? I mean, I know you're really worried about this offseason, but the rookie's now an injury on top of that.
5: I will – I'll give him a free pass as long as he's ready to go for the start of camp, whatever that starts. I'm I'm still more concerned about the offseason than I am about this current injury. It sounds like it's not that big a deal. We'll hope it's not.
2: Right, but for a speed guy on crutches, you know, June, not a good thing. When I I read this injury, the first image that came to mind was Ben Stiller moving furniture and there's something about Mary, and you heard his back (laughs) – I don't know why that's the thing I thought of, but that's what I thought of was uh <laughs> I thought of I thought of the pivot from Chandler and Friends. Uh Pivot, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Going down the stairs. Absolutely. That's a great furniture reference as well. All right, join our Facebook group. Search Fantasy Football Today on Facebook or click on the link in the description to chat with the FFT team and other fantasy fans. Ask keeper questions, join a new Dynasty League and discuss draft strategy. Our Facebook group is awesome. So again, search Fantasy Football Today on Facebook and join our Facebook group now. So today's show is all about Dave's bold predictions. I'm going to give you a hard time about a bunch of these though, Dave, because I don't feel like a lot of these are bold. I'm going to make you make them a little bit bolder. They seem to be some predictions, but we're going to get to them right now. Let's go with the first one here. And this one, I got to give you a little bit of a pushback on. So Josh Allen, will not be a top 8 fantasy quarterback that's your bold prediction that just feels like a prediction he was the number 9 quarterback last year like if you're going to tell me say he's going to know- be Top but, ten quarterback. It's not going to be a top twelve quarterback. It's not going to be a top twenty the quarterback. What's it? between top ten and top eight. I'm trying to make it as as, bold as you I can. You have him ranked number nine. You're saying he's not going to be top eight. I that's don't think bold. anybody should prediction. go and get him. I'm taking Drew Brees and Tom Brady. But that's not bold. That's just a prediction. Give me bold. I want to hear bold. I want. Fine, like, fine, fine.
4: Josh Allen is going to run for prime minister of Canada and win. That's bold. And uh, and <laughs> he's not going to help you in fantasy unless you're in like a fa- fantasy global politics league.
2: That's that's bold. Josh Allen will not be a top eight fantasy quarterback is the prediction. So he's the number nine quarterback in 2019. He led quarterbacks with nine rushing touchdowns. He was third in rushing yards. We know he got Stephon Diggs this offseason with John Brown and Cole Beasley. What is your uh, opposition to Josh Allen this year as a top eight fantasy quarterback?
4: I don't trust him as a passer. Last year, he completed 59% of his throws. That was dead last among quarterbacks with at least 240 pass attempts. He's terrible with the deep ball, 18 of 68 connected. That's bad news for Stefan Diggs. He ranked 29th in completion rate on passes of inside 15 air yards, according to Sports Info Solutions. He's never thrown for 275 yards in a game. He only has four games with over 250 yards. So you better hope he scores a lot of rushing touchdowns. I did a little bit of digging on this, and you can tell me whether or not this is relevant or not. I know that each of the his two seasons, he's had either eight or nine rushing touchdowns. Last year, nine. Four of them came from the one-yard line. Three of the four came after Frank Gore had at least one opportunity to score. And we know that gore is gone. If the Bills can find a goal-line solution between Moss, Devin Singletary, maybe TJ Yeldon makes a miracle comeback and he fills a role for this offense, anybody, I think that takes touchdowns on the ground away from Josh Allen. I don't see him as a guy that's going to run for a ton of yards. I think the bills want to protect him a little bit. I think they want to see him try and develop more as a passer. I just don't think he's got it. I don't think he's going to be one of those quarterbacks that gives us a lot of 300 yard, three touchdown types of games. There are people that are way too excited about him. I'm not one of them.
2: Bro. Dave. Okay. So then why buddy, Dave.
5: Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah. Go what ahead. is
5: the name of this show today? Dave. Bold predictions. Bold predictions. You just your bold prediction was that he's not going to be better than he was last year, and that Josh Allen is. We're drafting master. him like he's going to be. This is this you're is drafting, is like James seven, is old. drafting oh, him like he's going to be. Like is him like he's people gonna have be. been saying, it, "Be bold. Say he's not going to be top twelve. Say he stinks." Because like,
4: I think, I think the he can is... be top twelve.
2: I think he'll be top twelve, but I don't right, think i around seven. I'm looking at your rankings here. You have him ranked nine. You have Matt Ryan ten. If you're so opposed to Josh Allen, why not put Matt Ryan ahead of him? I might by the time we get to the preseason. <laughs> I haven't done all my research on him. Yet. You might by the time we get to 4.17 p.m. on the time of the show uh, at 4.16. Jake Baker over him. Jake, where do you have Josh Allen ranked, and what do you think about that uh, bold prediction?
3: uh i so said i'm with you a little bit dave At least say he's not going to be a qb1 like come come a little bit stronger uh but <laughs> i actually have him at eight and i don't have him for rushing for eight touchdowns or nine touchdowns i actually have him running for six now this is i want to say this dave is like i'm actually disagreeing with you but this is coming from somebody that hated josh allen coming out of college the exact quote you can go back to when i said he came out into my profile was that he can fit he can fit it through a pinhole on a door but he can't hit the damn door like that's how good <laughs> okay it's a good at, but see I think the Stefan Diggs part, this is where I'm kind of comparing him to Cam Newton, and I think he is a Cam Newton version. Cam Newton initially, what people remember, they tried to give him a bunch of big wide receivers to make him better, Mm -hmm. and they found out that didn't work. What you needed was guys that can get open and get open quick and get open short, and you're right. The deep ball sucks, but I think Stefan Diggs brings another dimension to this offense where he can find another option in the intermediate routes, even in the short game, and I think what they're doing is they're trying to go the Cam Cam Newton route when you had – DJ Moore and the quicker options of Steve Smith and those type of weapons where I think he can be a little bit better as a passer. I don't ever think he's going to be a 65% passer or anything like that, but I think he can improve enough to have a respectable passing yards and the rushing is not going to completely go away.
2: Where do you have him ranked, Jake? Eight. Eight. So uh, in the same range uh, yeah. as all of us. Uh, okay. So there's bold prediction. Number one, Josh Allen will not be a top eight fantasy quarterback let's go now to bold prediction number two here and this is one of jake's uh favorite people in the nfl i know uh odell beckham not a big fan of you right he has has you blocked <laughs> on twitter i've seen you tweet about that a few times
3: yeah your your former co-worker still hasn't helped me out there with the browns to get me unblocked
2: oh nathan nathan's a girl yeah Zagura. You supposed to be working on this <laughs> yeah so uh you hate or uh let's see giants tie with adam azer he hates you odell beckham a former giant he hates you and, and you're a giants fan too right
3: yeah, well, uh, franchise well, that's not the best word. Uh, I've basically boycotted him until they get rid of Gettleman.
2: Okay, so a non-Gettleman Giants fan that we have here and, uh, Adam Azer, Odell Beckham, not big fans of Jake Seeley. So let's, uh, talk about Odell Beckham here. So Dave's bold prediction is Odell Beckham won't top a thousand yards. So last year's first year with the Browns, he was the number 25 PPR wide receiver, had over a thousand yards, 1,035 to be exact, on 74 catches with four touchdowns on 133 targets. Our consensus ranking on cbssports.com is the number 18 wide receiver. He's the number 18 wide receiver for you. So, Dave, if he's not getting to a 1,000 yards, why is he ranked number 18?
4: Because I still think he can get you maybe 900 yards and six touchdowns. He'll be good enough to be a number two wide receiver, but he shouldn't get overdrafted. I don't like that the injuries have been an issue for him each of the last three seasons, last year especially. Uh, he He wasn't the same guy. And hopefully – he says he's healed up. He says he's better – I need to see it to believe it. But I'm also concerned about the direction of the Browns' offense now. With the addition of Kevin Stefanski, I think they're going to be more conservative. I think they're going to lean on Austin Hooper in the red zone. I've already mentioned that a third, more than a third, of Baker Mayfield's career touchdowns have gone to tight ends. I think they're going to continue to be fed toward him in the red zone. I think they're going to run the ball a hell of a lot. And it's going to be rough for Beckham, who already saw his target average dip by two per game last year. And he had one catch in the red zone last year. Now I expect that number to go up, but I don't think a lot of his other numbers are going to go up. And I don't think you can count on him to be a surefire stud like you might have drafted him to be each of the past three years. I think he'll actually be as good, if not worse, neck this year than he was
1: last year.
2: Keith, you have him ranked 18th in PPR. What do you think about Beckham as a guy that may not get to 1,000 yards or maybe worse than he was a year ago? So I'm supposed
5: to talk about Beckham and not the fact that Dave's second bold prediction is that Odell Beckham's going to have 36 fewer yards than he had last year? <laughs> it's actually <laughs> that he's going to be worse than he was
4: last year. That's what I wrote for the
5: site. So, um, like, I, There is concern about injuries, and I think betting against Odell Beckham playing 16 games might be a pretty good bet to make. Um, there's certainly concern about pass volume. With Kevin Stefanski taking over that offense. And listen, if Jarvis Landry's fully healthy, I don't know that we have any reason to expect that Beckham's going to dominate targets there with Landry and Hooper and Joku and Kareem Hunt. So like there's plenty of reason for concern. I can't rank him any lower than 18th though, because I still believe like he has top five upside. I don't believe it's that like, I think it's within the 80th percentile that Jarvis Landry starts the year on the pup um he's talking about hoping to be ready in August or September we we don't really know with him yet so I I still think there's a ton of upside I still haven't projected for more than 1,000 yards but not far from a 1,000.
2: Jake his uh average draft position Beckham's average draft position on fantasy football calculator as as the 10th wide receiver off the board he's going in the middle of round three is that the right spot for him how do you come out on Beckham uh take your hate put it to the side. For his hate of you, don't worry about that. Just talk about him as a football player. What do you think about uh, about uh Beckham going in that spot and how do you view him for 2020?
3: Hey, I actually have a Giants Beckham jersey, a Browns Beckham jersey, and a Funko <laughs> Pop of him. So I do, I do love the player. I will say this. Uh I kind of straddle the middle, and I don't want to straddle the middle. Of, like, say, I'm not taking a side here. It's the fact that I do think eight, I think 10 is too high. I think 18 is a fair spot, maybe a few spots ahead of him because, and I, I don't want to do this to everybody on a football podcast, but I'm going to compare him to a baseball player. Okay. And the fact that it's Giancarlo Stan. like if we if he plays most of the season, we know he can finish top five, and that's the appeal here. Like his injuries, unlike Stanton, are more actual tissue injuries, and that's where I lean with Dave a little bit. Is like there's the concern of that, but I also agree with Heath in the fact that if Landry's not ready to start the season, as much as we're worried about Stefanski killing the passing game. You know, there's going to be a lot on his plate to start the year. So maybe he's somebody you ride early and then sell before it gets worse when Landry's back. But I think the biggest concern that, that wasn't mentioned so far is Stefanski, but I think that's where Dave was pointing at is that this is going to be a run heavy team. Yep. We've seen what Stefanski did to the Vikings. And that's my biggest concern that he barely gets over a thousand. And maybe it's a little bit more of a AJ Brown type of season where there's a couple big weeks and some really bad weeks.
2: Yeah. I had, uh, one of my bold predictions was that the Browns would have the eighth. Duo in NFL history to have two, two two players on the same team rush for a thousand yards because Stefanski with Kareem Hunt and, and and Nick Chubb and and as we talked about if that happens that's going to be really bad for all the receiving options for the Browns but you know a lot of mouths to feed in this offense that's kind of something I think that ran into that Beckham ran into a little bit last year with the Giants as good as maybe Sterling Shepard was becoming or you know the other receiving options they had there you know Jarvis Landry and, and and what uh what he brought to the table as the second option there I think hurt Beckham a little bit as well. All right, so there's uh, two bold predictions in. we got three more to go, and here's the next one here from Dave. So bold prediction number three. C.D. Lamb will finish with more fantasy points than Michael Gallup. So as we saw from the NFL draft, the uh, Cowboys go out and draft C.D. Lamb with the 17th overall pick in the first round. Uh, surprise, I think, to some. But uh, we saw last year that Gallup, on a point-per-game basis, he was right there with Amari Cooper, 15.1 points per game in PPR. Cooper was at 15.3. Right now, Lamb, the consensus ranking on him is at 38. Gallup, the consensus ranking, this is on, on our site, CBSports.com, the consensus ranking is 32. So Heath and I have Gallup ranked still ahead of uh, C.D. Lamb, but Dave, you have Lamb ranked ahead of Gallup, and you think he's going to be better than the third-year wide receiver? I do.
4: Uh I think that he's certainly more versatile of a receiver than Gallup. I think he's got better hands than Gallup. I think they're kind of similar in terms of stature. And, and I might get to the point where I start to knock down Cooper too. I think that all three of these guys could end up taking away from each other. It's a lot of mouths to feed in that Cowboys offense. I think they're going to throw a good amount, but Lamb's going to be the one that's going to see a lot of single coverage. And and I think that's going to only benefit him. The fact that he plays in the slot, I think that's going to benefit him. And I got to nitpick Gallup a little bit and he was my guy when he came out. I loved him. But last year, Catch rate was under 60%. He dropped 13 passes. That, that has to be a reason. That had to have been on Jerry Jones' mind when he ranked CeeDee Lamb sixth on his draft board. He ranked him sixth. He didn't need a wide receiver, and he just went and got CeeDee Lamb anyway because he fell into his lap. I, I like where he fits. I think he's going to be a big-time player for the Cowboys long term, and I think by the end of the year, he's going to have better numbers than Michael Gallup.
2: Keith, I'll give you the first word again. What do you think about this uh, bold prediction here? And and for Dave, the ranking is Lamb at 34, Gallup at 35. So the bold prediction is he'll finish one spot better.
5: Well, I think it's bold because I I, I don't really care what Michael Gallup's catch rate was last year. He was a 23-year-old wide receiver that put up 1,100 yards in 14 games. He averaged 16.8 yards per reception, 9.8 yards per target. That's elite. Like, if you're being targeted down the field like he was, you're not going to have a high catchery. That's right in the Mike Evans range. So I I don't think we should hold that against him at all. Dave made the point about Ceeley. I'm seeing a lot of single coverage. I think that's true. I think the way the Cowboys are built now, everyone's going to see a lot of single coverage, and that's one of the reasons that Dak Prescott's easily my number three quarterback. There's enough room for Cooper Gallup and Lamb to all be useful in fantasy but I can't expect and again it kind of goes back to what we t- talked about with the running backs I just can't expect that CD Lamb's going to come in and take away a chunk of target share from Michael Gallup early in the season especially when they've got 170 targets to replace from Jason Witten and
4: Randall Cobb there's there's plenty of targets for CD Lamb does it bother anybody that Gallup's best game was in week 17 and that he really wound up like his, his, if you take away week 17, his PPR average was 11.4 per game, but he had 32 PPR points in the last game. It doesn't bother you that he had that one big game to kind of inflate his total number. No, because
3: I I pretty much ignore week 17. I I think what bothers me is the people that still like Cooper watching Gallup outplay Cooper towards the end of the year. So look, I'm not, kind of really taking a side on here. I guess my, if I had to say the Cowboys bowl prediction would just be like, I don't want any of them. (laughs) I just, because I don't play the Cooper game. I've never played the Cooper game because he's so wildly inconsistent and puts up 50% of his stats in three games. Uh, I would have loved – I was hoping this is where you're going. I was loving if you were going to say Lamb was going to finish with more points than Cooper. Because <laughs> here's, here's what I say about this after the draft. The best-case scenario is now we're kind of looking at to what Heath was pointing to is it's McCarthy with the Packers. And then what we're saying is this three-wide, this is a bad news situation for Blake Jarwin, the excitement that we had for about three weeks of Blake Jarwin. But this the three-wide receivers' best-case scenario is we see them mimic those Packers where one's a top five, one's a top 15, and the other one's like 35. That's the best case, but for real life, that's a bad thing. But I don't know if we get that because Lamb is a rookie. I I think that we could be looking at it's Cooper week, it's Lamb week, it's Gallup week, it's Gallup again, it's Lamb again. like, And it's just stay away because you're never going to be able to predict week to week to week unless you're diving in and looking at the cornerback matchups and playing that game, which is fine, but you're not going to be able to play that game in seasonal.
2: Well, and and even so, their schedule's brutal. They're facing, you know, a a lot of top-tier cornerbacks where one guy may get taken away if they stay on the side. If the guys don't move around, it could be frustrating for all of them. I I tend to lean toward what you're saying, Jake. I I, I haven't found myself drafting any of the Cowboys guys. I just think Cooper's going a little bit too high for what the scenario could be. And as we saw last year, you know, he played through some injuries. Maybe it was a a factor of the contract situation trying to prove that he is a tough guy, can stay on the field. We tend to see that from time to time. I also think that one thing that we could end up seeing is – that um you know the the run game I mean you know <laughs> they still have one of the best run games in football so you know that could be a, a scenario where we get back to Ezekiel just dominating you know touchdowns and we haven't really seen that from him to the same level over the last couple of years like he was earlier in his career so I'm 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 concerned about that I'll still take Gallup over over Lamb but it could be a situation like Keith has said and, and you alluded to Jake as well that could be a guy you trade for you know right before the breakout happens and you know, maybe that's the case. Uh, one thing though, Dave, about the week 17 performance, they were still fighting for the playoffs. So that was an important game for them. It wasn't like, you know, they were just kind of coasting at that point. You know, they were trying to win that game to win the NFC East. As we know, Philadelphia won. They got into the playoffs. Dallas, uh, missed and, and, and here sure. we are. So, yep. uh, you know, that's something I think to, to keep in mind, but Dave is taking CD Lamb over, uh, Michael Gallup and the, uh, uh, consensus for us, uh, Heath and I at least are taking still Michael Gallup over the rookie next bull prediction we have here is miles Sanders will be a top six running back with 1500 total yards and 10 total touchdowns. So Dave has Sanders ranked number six. We've had this conversation time and time. Again, uh, the one draft that I'll point to was an early PPR draft. Dave took miles Sanders over Devontae Adams. Uh, that was a, a big cause of Easy. uproar. I think of, Easy. uh, uh, of, of how that went um uh, jake i'll I'll ask you this question first who would you have taken i think it was the seventh overall pick in a ppr league we would start three wide receivers dave took sanders at seven uh i think everybody else i did a twitter poll on that as well i didn't say that it was dave i just said uh who would you have taken at number seven overall adams or, or sanders and a lot of people asked me if i was drunk um uh <laughs> who, who would you have taken in that spot jake
3: uh, I would have taken Adams. I would also have taken Derek Henry, Nick Chubb, jo- Joe Mixon, Nick, uh who else? Josh Jacobs. Uh, so, look, mm-hmm. I understand it. Like, I understand the appeal of Miles Sanders. It's the same appeal we've always had with the Eagles offense, but it's the pushback of Doug Peterson. And I understand as of right now, it's only him and Boston Scott. And if this holds true, even, you know, the rumors of Carlos Hyde or whatever, I don't think anybody's coming in. And taking away from Miles Sanders on a weekly basis, I actually just think Boston Scott's going to be more involved than people realize. Because, and I'm not saying you, Dave. I'm sure you know this, but you go back to Darren Sproles, and and Darren Sproles was the only running back under Doug Peterson ever touched the ball 60% of the time, and it only happened in three games. His entire career only happened three times. So it's a it's hard for me to sit back and say, you know what. Maybe Doug Peterson's changed. And I'm not saying he can't because if he is, and if you are right, which I'm assuming is where you're headed with this, is Miles Sanders sees 70% of the workload every single week, he will be near the top five. He's that good. People overlooked how good he was because of who he replaced in college and Saquon Barkley. Like That was just unfair to him. Um, so it's not a question of talent. It's just a question of is it going to be – 18, 17 touches every single week. If so, get me on board. I just, I can't do it yet. I've been burned too many times by this backfield. Well, he was getting close
4: to that workload. If not exactly that workload, I can go back and double check. Um, at the end of the season, the, here's and my
3: first I, 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 immediate pushback. His best receiver at the time was what, Greg Ward? Who, they, they had in, no where? receivers at Philly? the time.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. so look at what he was doing when he didn't have receivers to help push the safeties back. He was still putting up huge numbers he, his eight, his 16 game pace over his final eight was 1526 total yards and eight touchdowns
3: right it's not the talent and it's not the talent per touch yeah, right sure I just but he believe, still had the opportunity I don't believe those he touches. had
4: 290 the, the the 16 game pace again I'm, I'm referring to it over the eight games was 296 touches
3: right but i don't believe in those touches with everybody healthy at wide receivers is what i'm saying i think i think that was a big factor in the fact that they were playing their two top weapons were Ertz and goddard
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. And, and in, in, those, in those five games, he, he didn't play, I, I think at all in week 17 or he got hurt. Um And from week 11 to week 16, he had 23 catches over that span. So the catch total is something that you could look at and say, okay, maybe that comes down from basically, you know, over four per game to, you know, closer to three or maybe even less, especially if Boston cot is, is a factor there. We know. I hope you're on, right. Well, we know based on reports that they are probably going to add somebody else. Devonte Freeman's the name that they could be looking at. Freeman's also in some conversations with the bucks again, According to reports, Seattle's already made Devontae Freeman an offer and he said he may sit out if he doesn't get the type of money that he's looking at. So that's the new And, I and
3: his career if he sits out. Yeah, most likely. Yeah, right. I mean, I, I think
2: that's the guy that people are, are looking at. Heath, we've had a lot of talk about Miles Sanders. Uh, I guess just put your two cents in here. Where do you come out on this? Could he be a top six guy or is he going to be finishing closer to, you know, maybe number 10, which is where we have him ranked at the consensus?
5: I've argued against Miles Sanders in the first round quite a bit and I'm Getting more comfortable with the idea of doing it in non-PPR at the very end of the first round. He could absolutely, if he plays 16 games, he's got a decent shot to finish as a top six running back. I I don't think, I'm not projecting it. I, I don't think he probably will, but it's not that far outside of the range of possibilities. They're going to share some. There won't be as many targets as there were in the second half of last year, so I agree with Jake on that. I do still think like fifteen hundred yards. I, I've got him projected for fourteen ninety-eight and ten touchdowns. So like that's a that's a
2: top beautiful. ten beautiful.
4: That's a top ten running back. Beautiful. We're yeah, gonna be I mean, a year from now he's we there won't be any debate. He'll be a first round pick.
2: Hopefully. I mean again, you know, we we haven't seen Peterson over sixteen games feature a guy. There's been stretches. Jay Ajayi, when they made the trade from Miami, was getting, you know, good enough or close enough to to feature workloads. Josh Adams, that little stretch where he was, you know, a factor for the Philadelphia backfield Sanders last year. Um, and look, you know, the, the Philadelphia receiving core, while it may be replenished a little bit, we're still talking about, they could be looking at JJ Arcega, Whiteside, Greg Ward and a couple rookies, rookies uh, with Jalen Rager being the best one. If Jeffrey's not there and Jackson gets hurt again, you know, so it could be a similar situation where they're still trying to piece it together and having to rely on these guys once again. So I think we all like Sanders. Dave obviously is the highest on him based on where he hasn't ranked. And as you can see, he expects him to finish as a top six guy, based on the bold prediction here. All right, Dave's last bold prediction is Tyler Higby will be a top five tight end. As we saw last year, it was basically a five-game stretch that helped Higby finish as the number seven tight end in PPR. Over those last five games, he had either a touchdown or 100 yards, and he saw at least 11 targets in all five of those games. So, Dave, you have him ranked number five. The consensus for us is number seven. Average draft position right now is the 10th tight end off the board, according to Fantasy Football Calculator. So you expect Higby to pick up from where he did last year in those five games and carry that over to this season?
4: Sure. he's And remember when back earlier this offseason when Austin Hooper was my fifth tight end, and I said, until somebody comes along that I think is just a a much safer bet to finish in the top five, I'm going to keep him there. Higby came along to me when I went back and watched his final five games, and I'm sold. He's the Rams version of George Kittle. He's quick. He's huge. He's a matchup nightmare. He's big time in the red zone. And look, he averaged 8.6 targets in those final five games. He's not getting that. He, he just won't. I don't think he will. And he had 100 yards per game in his final five. He's not going to get that either. But I think he's got a shot to have a bunch of weeks where he scores and a handful of other weeks where he finishes north of 70 yards. I think he's still going to be involved in the offense. McVeigh would be a moron not to. And, and And remember, he put up the numbers that he did last year in those final five games while still working as a blocker on 20% of the passing plays in L.A. So just imagine if he starts getting um, the type of receiving role that a Zach Ertz gets or that a Mark Andrews has, which he's probably not going to get. He's too good of a blocker to be completely out of that realm. But I, I think that they can use him quite a bit. They were using him on screens, guys. I How many tight ends outside of the elite guys are used on screens in the NFL? There's no doubt that he's going to end up being a very valuable fantasy tight end. The fact that you can get him as a 10th tight end off the board, just makes me want to just wait on draft day, get to round eight, take him then, and not worry about the tight end position. Maybe, maybe draft the second tight end, just in case I'm wrong. But I doubt it. I think he's too good of a player.
2: All right, Heath, you have him ranked number 10. So based on where his average draft position is, that's where you are in sync there. Um, we saw most of these numbers come without Gerald Everett as uh, a factor for the Rams after he left due to injury. Uh, running back situation, as we talked about at the top of the show, different with Todd Gurley gone and Brandon cooks is gone replaced by a combination of most likely van Jefferson and Josh Reynolds. So uh, you're a little bit down on Higby compared to Dave. Why?
5: It's uncertainty. Like I was with most of what Dave said in terms of Tyler Higby upside. Um, I really struggle with just like, what is Sean McVay going to decide to do? Like, They're going to change something again, I would assume. He's one of the more creative offensive minds in the game and not very stagnant, which isn't great if you're trying to do projections and where targets are going to be distributed because he's not necessarily easy to predict within a given season, much less year over year. And like things did not go well for the Rams last year. So I I can't go as far to say they'd be an idiot if they didn't go back to what they did at the end of last year because they missed the playoffs and only won eight games or it is the playoffs for sure. Um, Seven years. So I think that there's definitely top five upside for Higby, but I I wouldn't be all that surprised if they go back to the offense they had two years ago where they didn't really even use the tight ends that very much in the past game.
2: And for what it's worth, Higby, for an offensive line that struggles, he's the better blocker of the two between him and Everett, and we'll see if he has to do a little bit more of that. So, Jake, where do you come out on, on Tyler Higby? Are you with Dave, or are you going to – Sort of shadow fence, or are you going to, you know, go maybe no. completely against this one?
3: No, it was the first time I'm definitely more with Dave. I am at six. So I'm right there with him in one spot off. And, and you're looking at that where you're talking about those final few games is he was also for people out there that don't know, he was tight end one period, like in points per game and overall. Sure. Like he was just. It, destroying the position obviously as Dave said we don't expect that to happen over the full season that'd be ungodly if he did In unsat you know Kelsey and Kittle you'd have but, a playoff
4: ticket if he does that over the yeah season.
3: exactly but I think the big thing we're looking at here is to tie this into something else Higby where I'm buying in is actually where I start to lean towards the concern of cup like you mentioned Van Jefferson's a rookie Josh Reynolds show little flashes here and there. But the biggest thing is when they're running the 12 towards the end of the year is cup kept coming off the field. He was out there. 60% of the snaps, 70% of the stabs. He stopped seeing 90. And I think it was because the Higby situation was working so well to Heath's point. Like I don't trust that McVeigh's going to do that for the entire year, but at least has a hesitation in my mind that whatever breaks right this year for them, Higby at worst is the number three option. He might be the number two option depending on what happens. So I'm more concerned about the cup and the wide receiver situation. I feel good about Woods and Higby.
4: Where, where do you have cup ranked?
3: I have cup just outside wide receiver one and I don't love it. And to Keith's hmm. point, it's going to come down to, I mean, just the percentage change in target share is going to drop them potentially further.
2: And again, the running situation could be different if they get back to running the ball better like we saw two years ago or, you know, certainly three years ago, you know, maybe that changes some of the output for, Jared Goff in the passing game. This is a defense that's changing, you know, new coordinators, some new faces. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of change going on with the Rams. So if they just continue to do with what worked, we know McVay that kind of became a problem for him after a lot of people think the Patriots figuring him out in the Super Bowl and what we saw from the production last year. So we'll see if he continues to reinvent himself. A lot of new coordinators as well. So he changed over a lot of his staff and we'll see how that impacts some of the things the Rams do, but he be definitely going to be drafted as a top 10 tight end for me. I have him ranked number seven. So. Uh, ahead of Heath behind you guys, uh, but just slightly. So uh, I think we all share the same optimism that Higby could be a number one tight end and certainly should be drafted that way. So there's Dave's bold predictions just to wrap them up. He's got Josh Allen finishing as a, not finishing as a top eight quarterback. He's got Odell Beckham won't top a thousand yards. C.D. Lamb will finish with more fantasy points than Michael Gallup. Miles Sanders will be a top six running back and Tyler Higby will be a top five tight end. Now we're going to move on To Jake's bold predictions, but first we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll get into uh, what The Athletic is telling you to do here about being bold in 2020.
0: The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So we told you at the top of the show that Jake's bold prediction, his favorite bold prediction, is that Clyde Edwards-Alaire will be a top 10 running back. He's got him ranked number six. I said he would be a top five running back, so even though I don't have him ranked, the way that Jake does, I have him being a little bit more bold in terms <laughs> of, uh, where Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will be. So, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, as we talk a lot about, and Jake likes him a lot, will be a top 10 running back for 2020. I want to go to another thing just to, we're going to skip ahead to your last bold prediction because I want to tie in the news item from earlier. So Henry Ruggs hurting his thigh on crutches, expected to be fine, but you like him as the best wide receiver, not just for the Raiders, but can also be a top 30 fantasy wide receiver this year.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think he's already the number one for the Raiders. Obviously, again, this goes back to the edwards a and you know, offseason, depending on what happens with the NFL, being able to practice and stuff like that could change things. And now hurt, hurt all rookies and all free agents moving to new teams. But as of today, I think Henry Ruggs got too much disrespect, which is crazy to say, in the draft process. A lot of people push him back saying, yeah, he wasn't even the best receiver on his team. But if you just watch Henry Ruggs, you know, people want to liken him to Ted Ginn. And I thought that was one of the most disrespectful things I've ever seen in my life as well is because Henry Ruggs, yes, he's a deep threat. Yes, that speed's so attractive, and he's such a big play threat. But it undercuts uh, some of them, Miles Sanders, in a different way. Because he's so good at that, people overlook the fact of how good he was as a route runner, how much separation he created. The only nitpick where I had of him is he doesn't find space and zone too well. That's more of a vision thing. That's something you can obviously learn. But I want to see players also, especially wide receivers, being able to run routes coming out of college. And he's not the best, but he's better than people gave him credit for. He can run more than the deep ball. He's just not a nine guy. And his competition is Hunter Renfro, who's going to be in the slot. Come on. Tyrell Williams, which, again, maybe – I think Tyrell Williams is what people think he might be. And you have another rookie in Brian Edwards. You have Zay Jones cast off from the Bills. He has zero competition. He is the number one wide receiver. He will finish as a top 30 wide receiver as long as everything breaks right this offseason, as mentioned before. I hate to put that caveat, but it's true.
2: How does he compare, just uh tie in one of Dave's whole predictions, to C.D. Lamb? And you could factor in Jerry Judy, Jalen Rager. You know, the other wide receivers, Justin Jefferson. You know, whoever your second, third, fourth options may be if Ruggs is, in fact, number one.
3: Yeah, I I have him as my number one, as you said, the number one rookie wide receiver. Uh, next closest I actually have is Justin Jefferson, and then after that, CD Lamb and Judy are back to back 41 and 42. So, they're close in range, those three, that being Justin Jefferson, and then Judy and and, uh, Lamb, but, I think he landed in a terrific spot, and for everybody that wants to poo-poo Derek Carr, his deep ball is better than people think it is. It's not terrific, but it's better than Josh Allen, that's for sure. If you actually look back at his numbers. Hey, let's go back to forget the fact that he made Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree both wide receiver ones in the same season. Derek Carr is not the worst quarterback in the NFL.
4: Does it bother if you? you are, that he he you doesn't the,
2: throw deep very often, right? He just the the amount of times he goes deep, but again, yeah, you know, I could think be it's one of the, more the f-
3: yeah, the amount of times. I think he really hasn't had a true. If you saw Tyrell Williams for there, everybody's getting super excited about Tyrell Williams and catching those touchdowns, and a lot of them were twenty plus. So he will. I just don't think that's been who he's had around him to really take advantage of it.
2: Heath, you love uh, Derek Carr as much as you love kickers. Um How do you feel about <laughs> this Henry Ruggs Wall prediction?
3: Well I don't I
5: haven't looked at the schedule to see how many cold weather games he has this year. So that that influ- no I listen, I don't think Derek Carr is the worst quarterback in the NFL. He's slightly below average. That's fine. I would like it better actually. One of the things Jake said, I think the way that Ruggs could be the number 1 wide receiver this year is if the Raiders used him as more of what they did with Hunter Renfro, played him in the slot and he could get a ton of targets in this offense. I don't like the idea that Rugs and Tyrell Williams are going to be working outside. Renfro and Waller are going to be working the short area targets, and they're going to run the ball 350 times with Josh Jacobs. I just don't think there are enough targets that are going to go down the field to Ruggs in that scenario. I still think, obviously, that Tyrell Williams is a very good, not great wide receiver, so he's going to get some of those targets. I, I just I don't love the opportunity if the plan is to play Renfro inside and Ruggs and Tyrell outside. Hey, can I help
3: you out with one thing? Maybe from week nine through 16, Heath, there's three three road games, Los Angeles, Atlanta, and at New York is the latest one, December 6th. Everything else is at home and everything else is indoors. So you're good.
5: That helps me out. You didn't have to go to Kansas City or Denver late in the season. That's that's week 17. If
2: if Uh, he's still the starter there. I mean, you could see a situation (laughs) where Mariota replaces him. You just never know. John Gruden could get upset with a few bad Derek Carr throws. And maybe they do turn to the former number two overall pick. Cause something to keep in mind if you're looking at the Raiders, I do expect Carter to start most of the season, but you never know. Next bold prediction for Jake. Going back to the Giants. Daniel Jones will push for QB1 status. So as we saw last year, very highs, a lot of lows, but four games with at least 35 fantasy points in leagues where you're six points for passing touchdowns. He ran. It's certainly a bonus for him. Uh, receiving core, if everybody's healthy, looks nice. Tell us what you like about, uh, Daniel Jones. I'm going to say the
3: same thing when he was drafted. He's discount Jameis Winston. And I don't want to say poor man's because poor man's knocks him dead. Every, that's like, that's too far. He's discount version. He's probably not going to be quite as 5,000 as Jameis Winston. But the one thing I liked about him, and this is, I pulled up on sports radar 360. And it's in my article about him is his passer rating went from 61.4 to 95.8 when not pressured. He threw 21 of his 24 touchdowns when not pressured. His catchable passes went from 48.6 to 70.9 when not pressured the Andrew Thomas addition, the attention to the offensive line this offseason with some more depth, and the fact that he'll now, as of now, today, have actually a healthy receiving core, including Evan Ingram. He has all the weapons there. I don't care about the turnovers because just like Jameis Winston, we didn't care about the turnovers. Jameis Winston was a top-five quarterback. I'm not even saying he's got to be top-five, but I think he's going to be nipping at the heels of the QB1s, if not in the QB1.
2: Where do you have him ranked now?
3: I actually have him at fourteen, I think, right now. Let me double check. And I think I would have to push him up because of my bull prediction. But yeah, it's right around Matt Ryan or Carson Wentz, right in that range.
5: I, I think uh, um, Jake late. caught the Dave
3: bug here.
5: Wasn't wasn't Daniel Jones a uh, pushing for QB one status in his starts last year?
2: Not a. Uh, he was the guy that we were talking about as a streamer. Yeah, so I, I thought he was pretty
5: close to QB one on a per game basis if you just looked at the games he started. No. Nah,
3: on a per-game basis, I thought he was, like, 16, somewhere around there, wasn't he?
5: I don't remember. I don't I have the, the actual numbers. I, I just wanted to be a jerk. <laughs> yeah. That's my job. He was QB I've
3: 17 in points per game.
5: Yeah. Well, got yeah, to... but there's one of those games like, a, a partial game, right?
3: It doesn't count. What do you mean it doesn't right. count? All right, so, but, so, Jake, let me ask, hey, you, let me ask partial you this. Let me
2: ask you this. Okay. Let me ask you this. Uh, that's not an amazing thing. Uh, let me ask <laughs> you this. Um When you're looking at, you know, you miss on your quarterback that you like, you know, whatever the case may be, whoever you have ranked, let's say 10 through, you you said you have Jones at 14, so 10 through 13. Um, You're in that range. Um, We're going to see probably Aaron Rodgers in that range. We're going to see Roethlisberger in that range, Stafford in that range, maybe uh, Wentz and and Ryan in that range. Do you play the game of I'm just going to wait and take the last guy that I like and maybe Daniel Jones? Or do you, you know, start to maybe prioritize Daniel Jones a little bit then?
3: No, I'll probably, I'll go more the route where that's when I start considering drafting two quarterbacks. And I know that's like this day and age, and some more people are starting to move back in that direction, especially if you're not playing super flex. But once you get past the big six, in my opinion, and that sixth is Deshaun Watson, whether it's Russell Wilson, whoever it might be for you guys. But after that, that's when I start thinking about, you know, do you pair Matthew Stafford, a Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger with that point of their careers with a Daniel Jones or a Gardner Minshew, and you, and that's where I'll do it. So, like, I would pair Daniel Jones with a safe option, like a Tom Brady, which might go before that, but you understand what I'm saying, is I'll take one that has the potential to break out and be a top-10 quarterback. I'll take the other where, you know, if that guy completely bombs and looks embarrassed, then I have the safe option. So that's kind of, like, where I'll go when I'll draft two quarterbacks.
2: Hey, where do you like uh, Daniel Jones right now? Is he uh, somebody that you target if you miss one of the guys that you like, or you still think you need to take two quarterbacks if you're taking Jones just because – he may not have that type of upside like we're seeing, and it may not be on a consistent basis.
4: Yeah, there, there's no way I want Daniel Jones as my only quarterback coming out of a draft, but he's, he's probably at the top of the list of candidates to pull what Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes did each of the past two seasons, where you get them in the double-digit rounds and they end up being an amazing fantasy quarterback for your squad and you're, you're on your way to the playoffs and maybe even a championship. I, I love that he runs a little bit. I, I think that the weapons and everything that Jake talked about are are spot on. The schedule is tough. And at first, that deterred me from liking Daniel Jones. And then I thought about it a little bit, and it just means he's going to be doing more passing and more running. And and I think that it might not be what the Giants want him to do, per se. I don't think New York really wants to have a, an explosive passing offense. I think if Joe Judge had his druthers just coming from New England, I think he'd love to just lean on Saquon Barkley. And let him churn, but Saquon can catch passes too, and that'll come from Daniel Jones. And yeah, I think he's got. I think he's got a lot of high upside. I don't love having him ranked where I have him ranked, and I've got him 16th. And I, I look at quarterbacks that I have in front of him like Roethlisberger, Goff, Aaron Rodgers, and and I think to myself, you know what? Those guys are probably safer than Daniel Jones. They're the types of quarterbacks that I'd like to pair with Jones when I walk out of my draft. And that way, if Jones is that guy, if he is the 2020 version of Lamar Jackson, then I don't really care who the other quarterback is that I took. I've got Jones. He'll be my starter. And I just roll baby.
2: He was on pace, uh, on 16 game pace to be the sixth best rushing quarterback, just under 400 yards rushing. So maybe that goes up, you know, closer to 500 and he's in the same range as guys like Kyler Murray and Josh Allen, if that's the case. So has that potential, and as we saw, you know, in, in, uh, a limited capacity he did have those four games with 35 or more points that is certainly something that he can strive to be more consistent with and would put him on a much different level in terms of his fantasy production like they've said maybe in the lamar jackson bathroom homes category that's some very very big shoes to have to fill if he's able to do that you will be thrilled with getting him with basically one of your last picks on draft day next bold and, prediction for i'm sorry what
5: elijah wanted to clarify that i was correct in, in my being a jerk <laughs> Got he it. did only play five snaps in Week One, which throws off his per game numbers. If you look at his per game numbers after that, he scored more fantasy points per game in a standard CBS league than Carson Wentz last year.
2: Okay. And Matt There's Ryan
5: and Aaron Rodgers.
3: Good. So
2: he'll be Those top ten. Over is that 20. better, Heath? All right. There we go. Darius guys Next bowl prediction for Jake. Darius guys will be this year's Miles Sanders. So clarify that, Jake. What do you mean? He's going to be the guy that we look at late and come on strong, or is he going to be just the guy that uh, comes out of nowhere to be a, a potential superstar?
3: Both, but it's going to take some weeks because, you know, the, the biggest thing is Geis needs to be 100%. And he's very very similar to the career path of the guy he replaced at LSU and Leonard Fournette, who also, while at LSU, was overlooked for pass-catching ability because LSU at the time didn't throw to their running backs. Uh, now, I will say this about Geis. He's a better pass-catcher. Fournette, a lot of his volume last year in passes came off dump-offs. Geis can run a little bit more routes than Fournette can. And I keep bringing up Fournette for the fact that he also outperformed him at LSU in a lot of areas, including yards, created, put a touch, which he almost doubled him up on. So Geis, I say all that to say, I thought he was a better prospect for Fournette. We've seen what Fournette can do. Guys hasn't been able to stay on the field. We know that 100%. And I don't think Washington's going to rush him out there from week one and immediately give him 20 touches. But I look at the fact that Adrian Peterson – over a thousand total yards last year and what was a pretty pathetic season at this point of his career. But that's still got him as RB twenty nine. And that my point being is that if Guys has this backfield it's probably going to take to the middle of the season, but he'll have the backfield where he gets sixteen, seventeen touches per week, whether it's love, where whether it's somebody else getting the pass volume a little bit more than he is. He can get to the point where towards week 9, 10, through the end of the year, he can be a top 15 running back just because of the talent. And that offensive line isn't as bad as people make it out to be, even with no Trent Williams who was middle of the pack for run blocking
2: last year. So where do you have him ranked right now?
3: Guys, and that's the fact, to your point of how you phrased the question, I actually have Geis as 28, but that's factoring in you know lower touches for the first six, seven, eight games with the bigger volume coming in the second half of the year. So
2: this is going to be somebody that if you don't get on draft day, you'll be looking to make some trades for if it goes a little sluggish to start the season.
3: Yeah, I would, add, to be honest with you, if anybody's in my league, that's in like my home league and they bring my rankings and articles and stuff like that, read my stuff, draft guys, then get frustrated because you didn't pay attention to everything I said and then let me trade for him in week six.
2: <laughs> so uh Heath, I'll start with you on this. We have Peterson still there. They don't exactly know what role he's going to play just based on what you know you're reading, but he's going to play a role. Antonio Gibson, they're talking up as the next Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Jake <laughs> Jake mentioned Bryce Love. We don't know what role he'll play if he's healthy. And they did bring in Peyton Barber and J.D. McKissick. So it's a very crowded backfield. I think we're all in the, uh, agreement that guys, if healthy, is by far the best one there, even Peterson, because Peterson is in his mid-30s at this point. So, Heath, uh, do you agree with Jake on this one that guys could be this year's Miles Sanders, that by the end of the season, he's somebody that we're not just starting across the board, he's helping us win championships?
5: Yeah, I, I absolutely love this one. I don't really have any doubt that Darius Geis has the talent to make this type of thing happen. I don't know that Washington's going to be a terrible team to be on for a running back this year if things get sorted out. And unfortunately, like what it took for Miles Sanders to break out and we kind of forget this. It wasn't like he was just playing with Jordan Howard, outplaying him. And then all of a sudden he took over the job. he, he that outbreak doesn't, that breakout doesn't happen unless Jordan Howard goes down. And I hope that Geist doesn't need that. I hope Geist can just stay healthy for the full 16 games. That would be awesome. Uh, but I do think he's a really good candidate for this type of breakout if he can stay healthy and uh, something happens to thin out that Washington running back room.
2: Dave, I know you're excited about Antonio Gibson. Uh, do you find yourself targeting uh, Darius Geis as well as average draft position based on fantasy football calculator around seven right now?
4: No, I can't take him then. Uh, you know, for, for Jake and I, we should go back to talking about Tyler Higby or something because I just, you know, we're not on the same page when it comes to guys And I'm, I'm worried about the opportunities in Washington. They added Hop, Gibson, Hopkins, where did that come from? Uh, they've got Adrian Peterson still. Uh, some of these other guys like McKissick or whatever, they're going to play a role. And I, I think they're going to use Geiss, but they're really going to limit him. They want him to stay healthy. And so it's going to have to take a lot of injuries. I think two of the guys. That are on that depth chart are going to have to go down for Darius Geist to, to have that opportunity to break out. Uh, the talent, I loved him coming out of LSU. Uh, it, it frustrates me to see him get hurt season after season. I can still find good players in round seven who I think I can count on for a full year. It, to me, that's not the right time to take the chance on Geist.
2: So when would you take a chance on?
4: I think he's more of a round nine type guy. So okay, I'm probably not cool. going to get him.
2: Two rounds later, uh, you're going to be aggressive with guys. You know, maybe it is is round seven. Maybe it's even a little bit earlier. He is the number 32 running back going off the board for uh, us. Jake, you have him. You said 29. We have him consensus ranked at uh, at 31. So uh, in the same range. And, and again, I think we're all hopeful for Darius. Guys, you know, maybe Dave's a little bit more pessimistic. But after only seeing him play five games over the last two seasons, it just would be nice yeah. to get him on the field. Uh, Jake, as uh, as he told you, he's a frustrated Giants fan because of Dave Gettleman. So two of his bold predictions involve the Washington Redskins. And as we go now to the last one here, Terry McLaurin will be a top 20 wide receiver. He was the number 29 wide receiver just based on his total stats. Uh, last year in PPR, uh, we have him ranked consensus-wise as the number 22 wide receiver off the board. So we're not far behind Jake in terms of nice. what his bold prediction is and his average draft position on Fantasy Football Calculator is the number 26 wide receiver off the board. So, Scary Terry, tell us why you like him uh, for this season in his second year.
3: Yeah, and to put it in perspective, too, and before Heath pushes back on it, because top 20, (laughs) I mean, top 20, I think would be, well, no, because I think it'll be also respective of the other wide receivers that he's going in front of for me. Like, I would take him in front of Tyler Lockett and Calvin Ridley and A.J. Green and D.J. Moore, even, and it comes down to the fact of, you know, it's so quickly, the, the fans of him haven't forgotten, but it's so quickly people forgot how he started the season with Case Keenum through week six last year when he was a top 10 wide receiver and actually wide receiver three and fantasy yeah, points yeah, per game. Yeah. And Dwayne Haskins, look, Dwayne Haskins had a miserable rookie season, but people are making the same mistake. I don't, I'm not saying he's Lamar Jackson because he's not even close to a runner. And I mean a runner period, not even a runner like Lamar Jackson, but they haven't learned the lesson from writing off Lamar Jackson from year one, writing off Jared Goff from year one, writing these players off after year one and the talent that Dwayne Haskins was where two years ago, people were talking about Dwayne Haskins the way they were just talking about Joe Burrow, what he did to the college team and what he did for that offense. And if you looked at the last three games when Haskins started playing respectably better, still not great, still not the ceiling I think he has. Those last three games got him on a pace for those first five with those last three. And I'm not doing, I'm not saying extrapolate those eight games, but just for the purpose of it, 78 receptions, 1,362 yards and 14 touchdowns. He's not going to come close to that. That would be wide receiver one. But if you just look at his yards per reception and even knock it back two yards per the full two yards and give him 80 receptions in a full year, he finishes with 1100 yards and probably 78 or seven or eight touchdowns. And that's top 20, maybe even top 15.
2: How does he compare for you to some of the veteran guys? You know, the, the ones that we're seeing drafted around in T.Y. Hilton, who does get a, you know, hopeful boost with the return or the addition of Philip Rivers, uh, AJ Green, who, um, you know, hopefully he's going to play 16 games, but we just don't know. And, uh, you know, I'll throw Stefan Diggs in there also, you know, with his move to Buffalo. Do you like McCorn better than all three of those guys?
3: I would take him over all three, except, well, T.Y. Hilton I could go back and forth with. T.Y. Hilton will be a roster construction situation from Terry McLaurin. The Terry McLaurin is going to be the more consistent option, I believe, T.Y. Hilton's kind of in that Amari Cooper range. But honestly, you can probably get both of them because you're getting the discount on Terry McLaurin compared to T.Y. Hilton in the drafts right now.
2: All right, Keith, uh, you want to be a jerk? Is uh, saying top 20 <laughs> not bold enough?
5: No, I like, I think he, I, I think for the most part I agree with everything Jake said except taking Terry McLaurin over DJ Moore is crazy town banana pants. Um, I don't, I just don't like, Ben Gretsch isn't here so maybe I should do a thing for him, but I think <laughs> McLaurin definitely has an opportunity to be a borderline top 12 wide receiver if he plays 16 games this year. I think he'd be a top 15 guy. I don't have him ranked quite that high, but I do expect Haskins to improve. I don't think there's anybody there in Washington that should get in the way of a 25% target share, and that gives them a chance if if Washington throws the ball a little more than they did last year to really have a true breakout year.
2: Dave, you said um, I, I think both sides of this question I'm going to ask, so I want to ask it in regards to McLaurin. I know like we were talking about Julio Jones and, and Calvin Ridley. You said if Julio were gone – and now all the attention goes toward Calvin Ridley. You said that will worry you a little bit because of what? Right, because uh,
4: I don't know if he can beat the double. Right, if that's so, where you're going with McLaurin. That's that's well, the biggest scrape well, I, mean, I got with him.
2: The 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 question would become, like Heath just said, he's going to be getting the majority of the targets, which as we saw last year was a good thing. But the attention would be a little bit different for him. And now there's a book on him. And you know, I'll go back to the conversation I had with Mike McCoy after Keenan Allen's rookie season when he surprised a lot of people, and then McCoy. Very honestly, which you rarely get from a coach, said he's got the target on his back and he's got to beat the expectations. He didn't necessarily say beat the double, but he's got to beat the expectations. And so, do you come out on that with McLaurin? Are you concerned about that, or do you like the fact that he's sharing a wide receiver room with Steve Sims and Antonio Gandy Gibson and um, you know uh, Cody Harman. Latimer for what it's worth, if he's still there, and you know the rest <laughs> of the guys, uh, Kelvin Harmon. You no, know, it's not exactly the most attractive receiving core, no, but that's why Calvin Klein can, uh, can, can be good. <laughs> and no tight ends.
4: And, and how dare you talk down about Jeremy Sprinkle? Sprinkle. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's the concern. And I don't know if I, if I've got the, the answer for that. I think the answer will probably come down to how often he was double teamed last year, because it probably didn't take teams that long to figure out, um, that McLaurin was the, the number one guy in the offense and, I, I, the offense is also going to change a little bit. It's not going to be the same type of system it was last year.
2: Oh, I think it'll change a lot. Yeah, uh, so I
4: I hope that that for the better. helps McLaurin. Yeah. Yes, it'll help for the better for McLaurin because once Bill Callahan took over, it was, you know, 1988 NFL football and sure. it was great for the run game, not so great for McLaurin. He was a little up and down um, after that. But I do think Washington's going to be in their fair share of, of games where they're going to have to throw I know their schedule opens up starting in week six. They've got a bunch of games against the Giants and the Cowboys, Lions, Bengals. Um, I, I think after that it gets ugly. So if if you draft McLaurin, I think you just got to stick with him through the first two-thirds of the season, which probably means you're sticking with him all season long. If you don't draft McLaurin, I think trading for him just before that schedule lightens up could be really good for your team. And then you'll know by then whether or not he's getting double-teamed, if he's beating double-teams is our other guys in Washington stepping up to take some pressure away from McLaurin. You'll have the book on him. So I'd almost, I, I think I'd almost prefer to not draft him. I, I think so, he's going to be a number two fantasy receiver, but I think it's going to be more of like, all right, I, I know what his potential is. I'll take him rather than targeting him on draft day and saying, I got to get Terry McLaurin on my team.
3: So yeah. And that's where I'm leaning because to your question that you asked, Jamie, what you're talking about uh, is the fact that i And I'm not saying you guys didn't watch, but you know, I was, I'm big on, I was bullish on Dwayne Haskins just as a prospect in general. Mm -hmm. So I was paying attention to a lot of those games. And I think your point about McLaurin actually came true last year. That downfall was the middle of the season. That downfall was him adjusting to, like you said, Jamie, the attention switched quickly after those first five games, the first six weeks of the season. And to your point, Dave, is you start to see that, but also at the end of the year, it was the combination of McLaurin learning to work with that extra attention a little bit more and Dwayne Haskins knowing how to find them. But even worst-case scenario, the reason I dropped two yards off his reception was the volume was still there, which was good to see. There's 12 targets against, the, I think, the Lions the one week. And then even if you pull back the attention, so maybe he's not averaging as high yards per route run and all that type of stuff, is that's worst-case scenario for me. I saw signs, at least in my opinion, from what I saw at the end of the season, that that extra attention, he was starting to adjust as, as a smart receiver would.
2: And part of the uh, the Keenan Allen situation, I believe, was, Ty- was Tyrell Williams hurt? Somebody was hurt and came back uh, his second year. I forget who it was, but that was part of, I think, the problem for him. I know Antonio Gates missed some Travis time, Benjamin. and then he came back. <laughs> um, I think it was Travis Benjamin. I think it might have been Tyrell Williams um, coming back. Or was it Vincent Jackson? Was he still part of the team then? Oh,
3: um,
2: might have been. I don't remember. But there I thought there was some injury situation also that impacted Keenan Allen's second year. I, I could be wrong, but... Um, in any event, you know, Terry McLaurin certainly has some ups. I'll tell you, the best thing for me about Terry McLaurin is ADP. If you're telling me I can get Terry McLaurin around six, which is where he's going right now in fantasy football calculator, that's a steal because if he does live up to the expectation, like I said, we all have him ranked consensus-wise around 22, you know, whether it's a couple spots higher or lower. So we're in the same range of where Jake is going on this. It's just an opportunity for him to, uh, you know, be a steal at that spot, the 26 wide receiver off the board right now. So I love drafting Terry McLaurin whenever I can, certainly around five. I've been aggressive in taking round four, so I'm, I'm excited about him. Jake, you got another thing to say or? Nah,
3: no, Malcolm okay. Floyd.
2: Alright, I'm going, uh, yeah. Malcolm Floyd, that's what it was. Yep. Ah. Alright, so I'm going to read through Jake's uh, bold predictions. Jake, I want you to think of a message to deliver to Adam Azer that he's going to hear <laughs> while he's sitting at home listening to this and critiquing us. So Jake's five bold predictions. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will be a top 10 running back. Henry Ruggs is going to be the number one receiver for Oakland and a top 30 wide receiver the board Daniel Jones will push for quarterback one status to be a top 12 guy Darius Geis will be this year's Miles Sanders and Terry McLaurin will be a top 20 wide receiver so Jake your message for Adam maser is <laughs> hey I've invited you since you're one of the flex to be in there so you should send some love
3: my way that's all on you Adam I'm playing the high road here even though I <laughs> undercut you a little bit <laughs> I play all right, so
2: there you go Adam we hope you enjoy that while you're sitting at home you can follow Jake on Twitter at all in kid check out Jake's work on the athletic and we'll be back Later this week with Liz Loza of Yahoo Sports to break down Heath's bold predictions where Dave gets to be a jerk and pick apart some of Heath's bold predictions. Jake, thank you so much for joining us here on Fantasy Football Today. Gotta to go by.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.